Women's Health Melbourne is a boutique specialist fertility and women's health practice, caring for women at all life stages. We're proud to provide world-class holistic medical care, including IVF and a range of other fertility treatments. We provide our patients with every opportunity to achieve their goals. Our two Melbourne locations are in Fitzroy and our new state-of-the-art Caulfield practice. Reach us at womenshealthmelbourne.com.au and you can follow both Women's Health Melbourne and Dr Rayleigh Alou on the socials. Welcome to Knocked Up, the podcast about getting pregnant. So far on the series, we've been discussing more of the technical aspects of pregnancy or trying to get pregnant, so IVF and the labs and the doctors. It can be easy to forget we actually know how babies are made. We've just been taught for so long about how not to get pregnant that we've almost forgotten how to get pregnant. This is part one, it's a mini episode about the old-fashioned way. Today, Dr. Rayleigh Alou will be discussing the body parts, what everything does, where it is, how it all works. One of the most asked questions when I've been telling people that we're going to start this series of conversations has been about body parts. We're adults and we certainly know the basics of our anatomy and what each part does in the making of a baby. But when it comes to fertility, it's sort of it's more important to understand our bodies and what each part does especially if there are problems and we then have to hear about the problems. So if we start with the woman, there's the vulva. Is that that's where it all starts? Yeah, so um, the vulva is the outer lips um, that we see and the entrance to the vagina. And the vulva is referring to the labia. The labia uh, have two sections, the labia majora being the bigger section, the bigger lips, the outer lips with the um, fat pad um, that develops in puberty. And then the labia minora are the more fine inner lips um, of the vagina or the opening of the vagina. Um, and that's what you see from the outside. So the vulva is the name of the area and the vagina is internal. That's right. So the vagina exits at the vulva. So the vagina is a canal that or a tunnel it's otherwise known as the birth canal and that's the way sperm goes in, in intercourse and it's the way a baby comes out. Yeah, and it's quite spongy in texture. Yeah, so before menopause it's really stretchy, um, well lubricated and soft. Okay, and so then you've, you've had sex and the sperm has come out through the vagina and it goes to the cervix. Yeah, so the cervix... Um, is the neck of the womb. We haven't really talked about the clitoris. That's more about fun on the outside. That's important too. <laughs> but in terms of having babies, the cervix is the neck of the womb and it sits at the roof of the vagina. So the vagina is like the tunnel um, and the destination is the cervix. So what does a cervix look like? Can I, can I touch it? You probably can reach your cervix by inserting a finger into the vagina. It's smooth. Um, it's a little bit firmer in texture. It might feel a little bit, it's a bit, feels a bit like the tip of your nose with a covering of skin that's more like the inside of your mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a little opening called the os. Yeah. And um, the cervix has lots of jobs. It makes mucus. It makes the fertile mucus that we talk about around the time 
of ovulation. Um, It allows the sperm passage into the upper reproductive tract, which we'll talk about in a moment. Um, It holds a pregnancy in, so its strength is important to stop you going into labour before your body is ready. Is this pelvic floor? Uh, Not really. Pelvic floor is a little bit different. Pelvic floor really refers to the ligaments and muscles that support the cervix. So it's kind of like a trampoline, if you like, supporting the cervix and the uterus and all of the pelvic organs. Okay. So then once we're into the cervix, what happens? So the cervix is the neck of the womb, so it leads to the womb. And the womb is otherwise known as the uterus. Mm -hmm. And um, it is where a baby is um, during the, f- the developmental stages mm-hmm. and it's where an embryo implants to form a pregnancy and it's where a placenta forms to communicate nutrients uh, between the mum and the baby. So if you're having fertility treatment and you're inserting, was it the blastocyst, yeah, the five-day-old embryo, where exactly is that inserted into your body? When I do an embryo transfer, I do it under ultrasound vision and I put a tiny little soft tube into the cervix, into the neck of the womb, and then while I'm watching on ultrasound, I put an even tinier little tube um, up into the uterus itself, to the cavity of the uterus, and the ideal place to put the embryo is about a centimetre from the, the top of the uterus. You want to put it not right up at the top, you want to put it about a centimetre from the top. Um, so that's where I place the embryo for the best pregnancy rates. Okay, so that's when you're ready to get pregnant. Before then... The fallopian tubes and the ovaries play a role. What in in your regular cycle in creating eggs? Where where are they? Yeah, so the fallopian tubes. That's actually where life begins. So when we release an egg, the egg is from the ovary, and the ovaries are two little organs. In women, they're internal, mm-hmm. inside our pelvis, and they form our egg reservoir. So they form the 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 place where we have the developing egg uh, on a given month, but they also could all have the eggs that we actually have in waiting as well for the rest of our reproductive lives. Um, and the ovaries also are an endocrine organ or, or hormonal-making factory, yeah. and they make our oestrogen and our progesterone. So they've got really important roles in, in terms of not just reproduction but a lot of um, hormones that are important in femininity. Yes. And when the ovaries burn out... We go through menopause to the fallopian tubes, but the ends of the fallopian tubes have structures called fimbri, and um, they're like little finger-like projections. Um, they're very beautiful, actually, when you look at them. They kind of look like um, beautiful kind of um, sea creatures. I think of it as like a sea anemone. Yeah, a bit like that, and a bit like a flower, like a, the ends of a flower. But the fimbri are these finger-like projections that pulse and dance and pick up the egg. And then they gently kind of rock the egg down on its way to the uterus. And the sperm, which have been released into the vagina, trapped in the mucus of the cervix and slowly moving forwards, meet and greet the egg in the fallopian tube, not in the uterus itself. So fertilisation, or the first stage of human life, happens in the fallopian tube. That's if everything is normal. That's if everything goes right. That's women. What about men's bits? So everybody knows about the penis and um, the testes on the outside. So the penis is a really important 
organ, um, most guys will tell you, um, which is important for conveying the sperm to get on its journey. Um, so in terms of heterosexual sex to get pregnant, um, normal erectile function is needed. So the penis has two states. It's either flaccid or erect, flaccid being just soft and erect being more firm and hard. And an erection is important as a prelude to releasing sperm or having intercourse um, the penis has some special tissues within that are, that allow a vascular flow of, of blood to come in and be trapped in under a sequence of hormonal events in order to achieve an erection. And also the nerve supply being intact is important because usually the signal to become erect is something to do with the nerve supply, both the nerve supply from the brain to the penis but also from the, the outer skin to the penis. Then there's the testes, so they're on the outside of the body, whereas they're the equivalent to the ovary, which for the women is inside. Yep. Yeah, and there's an important reason for that. So the testes need to be on the outside of the body because to function normally, they need to be a couple of degrees um, cooler than body temperature. So that's why men should wear bo- boxer shorts, not tight <laughs> briefs? Or is that yeah, that's why. No, it's not, it's not actually a myth. So men who overheat, um, and that might be from being obese, Um, and having a general state of overheating all the time. Um, Men who drive trucks or or are sedentary and sit down for a long period of time can overheat the testes. Men who frequently use spas and saunas can overheat the testes. If you have a high fever in your whole body, that can overheat the testes. And a a very famous um, disease that causes male infertility is mumps, and that's due to very high fever um, overheating the testes. Um, so no, it's not a myth at all. Um, and um, if any of these lifestyle factors can be addressed and reversed, then if you wait three months for a new batch of sperm to come along, it might look better and it might help a partner to conceive. So That's the test is, yeah. That these things are reversible or can be impacted in a time period as short as three months? Yeah, well, three months um, is important because that's how long it takes to, a man to make fresh sperm. So if he's had an, an insult to his health, like he's had a febrile illness, for example, where he's had a high temperature and then you do a sperm test and it looks not very good, it's important to always do another one three months later, especially with lifestyle intervention because it might look completely different. Three months later. So then so the sperm is in the testes, hopefully healthy. How does it get through. So some guys, the sperm can't escape from the testes and that can be that they make normal sperm and it just can't get out. And examples of that, uh, a famous example is in men who are carriers for cystic fibrosis or have cystic fibrosis. I've never heard of this. Yeah, it's a genetic condition. It's not that uncommon actually. About one in 20 in our population are carriers. So we see it. Yeah, I've seen it several times in my practice where that the man just has not grown a vas deferens, which is the tube um, that allows the sperm to escape from the testis. And then there are other guys who unfortunately have had a sexually transmitted infection in their lifetime, like gonorrhea or chlamydia, that they may or may not know that they had. Um, Most guys may have an idea because at the time they might have been symptomatic or might have had some antibiotics, but it certainly could have been a long time ago. And there can be scarring that doesn't let the sperm out. And of course, um, there's a very famous um, method of contraception called a vasectomy, and that's when the vas deferens has purposefully been cut. And men can do that if they think they've completed their family or don't think they want any more children. 
But as a fertility specialist, I sometimes have patients who've changed their mind and um, might want to have a baby again, um, quite often in a, in a different relationship, in maybe several years after they've had the procedure. So the, the surgical removal of, the, of that tube letting the sperm out is the reason that they can't achieve a natural pregnancy. We hear a bit about prostate. What, what role does that play? So the prostate is a gland um, and it's famous in that in quite a, a lot of men it grows to be overly large throughout life and it can cause problems with um, passing urine. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of sperm, it's got a specific role and it's got to make the pH of the sperm or the, the acid-base um, balance correct. So the role of the prostate is to secrete kind of chemicals into the sperm. Okay, this sounds a bit complicated. Tell me how it all falls together. So it just, it's, it's part of, of, a, of, it is quite complicated, yeah. but basically the sperm is made in the testis mm-hmm. And it, there's lots of different phases of sperm production. It's a bit like a factory line. Mm-hmm. So it's made as an immature um, set of sperm and then they undergo changes to, to get mature. They get all the um, parts important to being able to be function, uh, functioning correctly. So they develop a tail that can swim, for example. Yep. And then once the sperm are ready and mature, they're stored in a special area called the epididymis. Yes. And then in a ejaculatory um, release of sperm, yes. they go through from the epididymis through the vas deferens to the urethra, which is the tube that forms the passageway out of the penis. Yes. And that's a common um, tube for both urine from the bladder and sperm mm-hmm. um, from the vas deferens. And um, it's released through the, through the um, urethra, the tip of the urethra and the tip of the penis. So not so complicated at all when it's explained like that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Rayleigh. That's really helpful. So many people have been asking just for a bit more information about how everything works. For more information about Dr Rayleigh Alou and fertility services, visit the Women's Health Melbourne website or find us on the socials under Women's Health Melbourne. Thank you for joining us. See you next week.